Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, I chose an episode from The Hermit's Cave entitled The House on Lost Man's Bluff. The Hermit is one of this podcast's favorite radio hosts. He was created by a group of actors known as the Mummers for a series of dramatic sketches performed in the early 1930s on WJR in Detroit. By the mid-1930s, the Mummers began calling themselves the Mummers' Little Theater of the Air and quickly became known for their weird and disturbing tales. In 1936, the Mummers began focusing entirely on supernatural stories with a show they called In the Hermit's Cave. The following year, the Mummers gained the sponsorship of Olga Cole and shortened the show's name to simply The Hermit's Cave. According to the website Digital Deli, the show ran for 10 years, producing over 500 episodes. There was also a brief run on the Mutual Network from 1938 to 1939, retitled The Devil's Scrapbook, and a much longer run on KMPC in Los Angeles from 1940 to 1944. Despite the show's prolific output, only a small number of episodes are in circulation today. During World War II, The Hermit's Cave was one of many series rebroadcast as part of the Armed Forces Network's Mystery Playhouse, hosted by Peter Lorre. In his introduction to The Hermit's Cave, Lorre shared some additional details about The Hermit's mysterious life, including the ominous fact that no tale of mystery or horror in this world, or the next, has escaped The Hermit's knowing gaze. Lorre also called The Hermit's dogs evil-looking and evil-smelling, which seems a little mean-spirited if you ask me. Like many episodes of The Hermit's Cave, it's difficult to pin down when this was first aired. Our best guess is sometime in the early 1940s. And now let's listen to The House on Lost Man's Bluff from The Hermit's Cave. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The mummers in the little theater of the air.
Is it, Denton? Out of gas? Couldn't be, Charles. Denton filled up at the last stop. What is it, Denton? For heaven's sake, man, how do I know? Well, that's that. Ooh, I hope we don't get stranded in this forsaken territory. Well, that'd be something, wouldn't it? We haven't passed a house in the last three hours. Well, I might as well get out and see what I can do. You want me to take a look at it, Denton? No. I'll tinker with it a while. You and Nan sit down on the side of the road. I might be able to find the trouble for you, Dan. Charles was only trying to help, Denton. Never mind, I say. I'll have a thing going in a moment. Do as I say. Sit along the road. I'm going to work. Come on, Charles. Let's do as he says. Just as you say, Denton. Here's a nice place to sit, Charles. We can look right down into a valley from here. Why, it is nice, isn't it? See? You can look all over the valley. I wonder what they call this place. I wouldn't know. Oh, look. We're not so far from civilization as I thought. A town at the lower end of the valley. Yes. Now, that's still a long way away. You see? The road takes a roundabout way along the rim of the valley. Uh Uh-huh. Say, uh, I bet that's where I'm going to work. Do you think so? I'll just bet you that's where the job is that Denton got for me. Way out? Away from everything? Oh, I don't know. Looks like a nice little town. I'll make out all right. I hate to have you leaving us, Charles. I'll be terribly lonesome. Oh, I'll get back to the city occasionally. You must be sure to do that. Sure I will. Man, Denton can't hear us talking from here, can he? No. I have a feeling that he managed this job for me way out here because he didn't want me living with you two anymore. Oh, no, Charles. Why should he object to my own brother living with us? You've got me there. I can't figure it out. When I first came to stay with you, Denton talked of getting me work close by. I knew he did. Man, there's something strange about it. I don't know exactly what you mean, Charles. Yes, you do. Ever since Denton came back from that road trip, he's acted strange. Now that you mention it, I think I have noticed something different about Denton. He was jolly and friendly enough to me when I first arrived. And now all of a sudden he's changed. Maybe we're imagining it all. Doesn't seem that he'd be jealous of his wife's own brother, does it? No. Denton's not like that. But he has been for the last ten days. Morose, sullen, sitting most of the time staring at me. Maybe he feels I've been paying more attention to you than to him. Maybe that's it. It's only natural that I'd be solicitous of my own brother, whom I haven't seen for so many years. Uh, We won't talk about it anymore. All I hope is that he isn't ill, that you aren't going to have trouble with me so far away. You said we mustn't worry about it. We won't. No. I do wish he'd get the car started. He wouldn't let me help him. Fairly pushed me away. Denon's frightfully independent. But I wish he'd hurry. Nervous? I think we're going to have a storm. We should be getting out of these hills and down into town quickly. Say, the sky is getting black and gloomy. Look over to the west. Clouds are piling up fast. Something of a wind coming up, too. Denton just stands there looking at the cars as if he didn't know what he was doing. Maybe he doesn't. Well, let's go back over. 
Maybe you'll let me help him now. All right. Watch your step. There are jagged pieces of rock here. Wind's getting stronger every minute. It sure is. Looks like we might be getting a tornado. How are you making out, Denton? Why? Located the trouble? We should hurry, Denton. There's a terrific storm coming up fast. Can't make the car go if it doesn't want to. Look at the sky, Denton. We're in for a real storm. Wow. There goes my hat. No use chasing it now. Please, hurry. Get the car started. All right. All right, get inside. Maybe it'll go now. Let's hurry. like mad to get out of these hills and into the village before the storm breaks. I know these roads. I'll get you out all right. Denton, don't be so cross. Jump on every word Charles says. Then don't give me orders. and stayed until it blew over. Can we get up there all right? We can make it. We'll have to. Get out of the car. We've got to start right away. Hurry, climb out. Give me your hand, Dad. It's in the middle of the afternoon and black as night. Oh, we've got to climb fast. We'll all take hold of hands and start up the rock. We've got to get to that house. We've got to get there. Give me your hand, Dad. Might not make it. I'll bolt this door so the wind won't rip it open. Who owns this place? Doesn't anyone live here? There was no one living in it when I stopped on my way through here last time. But it must belong to someone. It's completely furnished. Whoever owns it hasn't been here for a long time, then. Everything's covered with dust and cobwebs. I can see them even in this pale light. It's so dark in here. Can't you find a lamp or something, Denton? I'll get a light. There's one in this room off the hall. Come on, Charles. Let's follow him. I don't like standing in this dark hall. I found a lamp. I'll have it lighted in a moment. Oh, it's so damp and cold in here. 
Ooh. There. Huh. Light makes it better, doesn't it? Some. Maybe. I don't like the looks of this place. At least we're out of the storm, Nan. You stopped here on your last trip through, Denton, and there was no one living here then? That's what I said, wasn't it? But it's completely furnished. Surely someone lives here now. Maybe they do. They aren't here now. It's almost like a dungeon in the room. Windows are built so high. Something like a fort. But it's Grand Denton knew of this place. It shells are out of the storm. The wind couldn't blow this building over. Denton? What? What are you staring at? What? You heard what I said. What are you staring out into the hall for? Say, Dan. Are you all right? Don't clench your hands that way. What do you see? Did I say I saw anything? What's the matter with you? Don't keep asking me questions. I've got you out of the storm. Isn't that enough? Now leave me alone. Where are you going? Where are you going, Denton? Stop him, Charles. Don't you think we all have to sit in here? When the storm blows over, we can drive on. What's wrong with him? He's moving like a person in a trance. Get him to come back in this room. Are you ill, Denton? Is there something we can do? Stay right where you are. Both of you. What is it? I'm going into that... that room across the hall. But why... Why don't we all stay together? It's dark in here. I don't like it. I want you to stay near me. I said I'm going into that room across the hall. And I'm going alone. Your brother Charles will take care of you. You prefer his company, don't you? Is that what's wrong with you? Why do you act this way toward my brother? You might as well make up your minds. Both of you. That we'll stay in this house until morning. I'm going into this room to sleep. Denton! It's no use. He is ill. He's got it in for me. Come on. Let's go back where the lamp is. Listen. You hear what he's doing? Barricading the door. What does all this mean? Oh, Charles. Let's get back to where the lamp is. It's as if he's lost his mind. Sit down. It's been coming on him for some time. Ever since he made that last trip through here. We know that. What shall we do? Why did he go into that room and leave us? As soon as we get into town, we'll persuade him to see a doctor. Let's make the best of it now. If he wants to leave us and sleep, let him. Oh. It's tough on you, Nan. I'm sorry I've brought you all this trouble. Denon's never been this way before. There's something dreadfully wrong. <laughs> what was that? Never laughed like that in his life. 
<laughs> it's coming from the room Denton went into. That's for sure. He's going mad. Oh, Charles. Come on. You'll have to let us in. Denton. Denton, what is it? Let us in. Dan, let us in. Locked? Bolted and barricaded. Denton, please let us in. <laughs> it is coming from in there. But it's not Denton. It can't be. Oh, what are we going to do? What shall we do? Everything's all right now, Nan. He's quieted down. He answered you the last time you went over to the room? Yes. He said, I'm all right. Go away. Oh. I think he's going to sleep now. We might as well do the same. I can't sleep in this horrible house. Yes, you can. It'll only be a few hours before morning. But what if Denton refuses to come out of that room in the morning? Well, he'll be better in the morning. The storm's passed over, too. Everything will seem different in the morning. Leave the lamp burning. I'm scared. Sure. I'll set it on the mantel. It won't bother our eyes, but it will shed some light. Yes, that will be all right. You think Danton will sleep? I think he's asleep now. I'd break the door down then if I thought it would do any good. But I think it's best to let him get over this spell by himself. I'll never believe it was he laughing. Who could it have been but Denton? Oh, now, don't worry anymore. Try to get some sleep. If he calls out, I'll wake you up. It seems like a nightmare, doesn't it? It will in the morning. Everything will be different then. Go to sleep now. You need the rest. Charles, ready to kill him. Hmm? 
the hermit will tell you before the night is done. <laughs> now, back to the hermit. Charles and Nan stand in the middle of the room in this strange house on Lost Man's Bluff, wondering who tried to kill Charles. Listen. <laughs> you mean you think it was... I know it was Denton. Oh, that's ridiculous. Denton trying to kill me. I know it was he... With his hands reaching out for your throat. Oh, no. And when I screamed, he ran back into that room and closed the door. Charles, where are you going? I'm going to get him out of that room before something really happens. You mustn't go near him. I've got to. No, you stay here. Never. I'm going with you. I'm going to make him let me in there. He may try to kill you again. I don't think he will. You stay behind me. Benton? Benton! was unlocked. Denton. Denton. Stay back, man. I'm going to light a match. Great heaven. Denton. What is it? Get back. Don't look. Why are you closing the door? What is it, Charles? What did you see? No. Denton's... Something's happened to him. Something's happened to Denton. What is it, Charles? Tell me quick. What is it? Denton's... Hanged himself. <laughs> Keep hold of yourself, Nan. We've got to get out of here. Down into town and get the authorities here. <laughs> Let's hope the car runs. We've got to get into town. <laughs> the laughter again. Look. Look. Up at the top of the stairs. What is it? In this faint light, it, it looks like the figure of a man. Yes, but you can see right through him. He's <laughs> disappeared. Standing there at the head of the stairs, pointing at us, then vanished. That same laughter. Charles, you're not going up there. We're going to get out of this place right away and get help. Quick, hurry, we must get help. But I tell you, it's urgent. You've got to go up there right now. Go up to that house on Lost Man's Bluff before daybreak? Right now. Oh, no, not me. But my husband is dead in that house. Would never enter the door of that house at night. No, sir. Neither would anyone else in this town. Denton is dead. He ain't the first one to die up there. What do you mean? Ain't never heard of the house on Lost Man's Bluff? No. We don't live around here. Oh, well, that explains that. What did you mean when you said that Denton was not the first man to die there? Five years ago, fellow that owned that house killed his brother, then hanged himself. What? That's right. But hanging didn't seem to take him out of this world. Now, I ain't the only one that's been there... Passed there at night and heard his wild laughter. Uh, it's 
fit to make the hair stand right up on a man's spine. Uh, other folks try to live in that house. But you know what happens to them when they go in a certain room in that house? The room Denton tried to sleep in? The desire to kill enters in them. And the laughter of him that belongs to the other world drives them mad. They can't get away from it. They return to the place. Charles, that's what happened to Denton. He said he'd been in that house before. They try to kill. If there's anyone near to kill, and then they take their own lives. It's happened to three other people. One man got back to town and told his experience. But he went back up there a few weeks later and took his life. Hanged himself. Oh, no, sir. You'll have to wait till morning. Won't get nobody to go up there in the night to that house on Lost Man's Bluff. and similarity to persons, places, or occurrences is purely accidental. That was The House on Lost Man's Bluff from The Hermit's Cave. Here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was your pick, Mr. Uh, Joshua. And, uh... Because that's what I'm calling you now. Like, you're my gardener. (laughs) Wait. You have a gardener? I do now. Oh, great. Get to work. Well, you know, my garden. A giant dog litter box. That's what my yard is. Well, I think this episode's getting off to a fine start. (laughs) All right. Uh, That was a lot of howling dogs. (laughs) So much howling dogs. Weird stories. Um. The Hermit is so <laughs> close to the witch's tale in character and in the writing style, and it's just so similar to uh, the witch in yep. witch's tale. Uh, and you just substitute uh, their boyfriend and girlfriend. That's, <laughs> that's my head cannon. <laughs> yep, it is now. You substitute them dogs for a cat, and you got the witch. You and they still sound... got that cat, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> they still they 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 even sound exactly yeah. alike. Mm-hmm. They they must have been at odds, threatening to sue each other every week. No? Okay. There's enough room on the airwaves for Nancy and the Hermit. <laughs> Nancy and the Hermit, that sounds like a 70s cop show. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, I like uh, Nancy better than the Hermit. Oh, I huh? love the Hermit. Mm-hmm. Just was... because of the howling dogs and the weird stories. <laughs> no, but mainly it's 
and murders too. <laughs> like, Whoa, almost forgot. <laughs> I don't know. Are there any murders? Oh yes. <laughs> Joshua, why'd you pick this? Mainly, I wanted to revisit the Hermit's Cave because right. I just wanted to hear that intro. Uh, <laughs> and overall, I feel the Hermit's Cave are those very run-of-the-mill horror stories. Mm. Um, they're usually nothing spectacular about them, but they are very cozy comfort horror stories. Yep. I decided to just pull the trigger and bring what I think is one of their best oh. um, stories for a number of reasons. I still don't think it's perfect by any means, but this has some genuine chills to it for me. It's pretty predictable and it's pretty simple and we've heard this story before and you know what's going on i just kept waiting for a twist of some sort because like yeah right you know i know what's going on and then at the end when i found out yep i did i knew what was going it's pretty basic haunted house story i'm just so delighted that i have slipped into a parallel universe (laughs) in which last week eric loved the lovecraft story (laughs) and does not like the horror comfort food i have offered him this week i love it (laughs) I never said I didn't like it. The story is predictable. I would argue that there's a moment in which it isn't predictable, and I think it's the fault of the story that it decides to wrap things up with such a tidy, over-explained bow. Mm -hmm. It starts with just almost like so many horror tropes that it becomes original again. You know, (laughs) it's car runs out of gas. The sky turns black. There's a storm Mm -hmm. coming. They say maybe it's a tornado and there's an old empty house and it's It's... covered in cobwebs. And you get to the point where it's just like, this is just like a super mashup of every single horror. It is how every Scooby-Doo starts. Where van broke down, we're going to have to stay at the Stary house up uh, at the top of the hill in a storm. Well, I will... uh... Jump in here. I was all set to grade this on the curve of, well, it's the Hermit's Cave. It's very early days, so cut it a little slack and really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I will will say that it's opening for all its familiar granite retreads. It also has a lot of character establishing beats of who these characters are, what the relationship is, what it used to be, Mm -hmm. um, and establishing that it changed after this road trip, which becomes an important plot point. And these Mm. characters are have a little bit more life than the average generic Scooby-Doo-esque character there's a little more depth to it although god that brother really you have to have your brother-in-law find you a job what a pain (laughs) first of all you're living in their house you're already a pain it becomes streetcar named desire right get out of my house why did he find me a job so far away no one could ever know (laughs) (laughs) because you wouldn't walk down the street and get a job by yourself Yeah, I mean, it's heavy on exposition, but uh, to Tim's point, at least it sets up something interesting. I also find the idea of someone's personality suddenly changing creepy. Mm -hmm. And that, amidst all these cliches and tropes, is what I find genuinely spooky about it, including once they get into the house and he just wants to shut himself in a room. That's not directly threatening or menacing. It's just that idea of someone you know and love and care about suddenly seeming like they're possessed, but not in a really demonic way, but just, I'm suddenly really cranky and I want to be alone in this room. And at home, you just say, oh, bad day. (laughs) But when you're in a... a, (laughs) possession. (laughs) (laughs) But when you're in this dark, abandoned house, that's where it starts to be really intriguing to me. So many small steps to get there, too, which is, again, for Hermit's Cave, a small little step of... He says the car is broken down and he needs to fix it. So when they go away and look back, he's not doing anything with the car. He's just standing there. 
He knows that their house is up there, but he won't really explain too much about it. Uh, he knows they can just go inside. And all these things that, like you say, aren't inherently terrifying, but just build and build and build on little weirdness after little weirdness to be very unsettling. And I'm not used to the Hermit's Cave providing subtle discomforts, right? It's not, <laughs> it's not a subtle show, usually. Once they're there, though, I think you're absolutely right that evil laugh, trying to murder you, there's someone standing over you, ghost on the stairs, that, that's all very... Tropey? Yeah, familiar ground. Speaking of the laugh, if you did a comedy show in the 40s, you should invite the Hermit, the Witch, and Denton into your audience. <laughs> <laughs> right? That was... Wasn't Denton. Ah! I paid attention to a detail. Yeah, right, no, it wasn't it's... Denton laughing, it was the ghost. Yes. Yeah. So the Hermit, Nancy, and the ghost from the house on the bluff would fill your audience with... <laughs> Amazing laughter. I enjoy laughter. the laughter, the performance of the laughter in this one. I think it is right on that edge of being a little normal. Then it gets a little hysterical, especially behind a closed door. Again, it goes back to that argument they have. The wife says, that's not my husband. And the brother goes, yeah, I think it is. He's just kind of having some sort of breakdown. And that that's a creepy moment when she says, that's not my husband. And you don't know who to believe in. In that moment. And that is the one spot where it did fool me. I thought it was him. Me too. Absolutely. There's a, a moment that took me out that I laughed out loud. It's a writing flaw to move the story forward. But I'm going to go in that room. Don't go in that room. He may try to kill you again. Yeah, I don't think he will. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Based on what? What are you... <laughs> If I take the percentage of times we've known each other where he has not tried to kill me, <laughs> compare it to the percentage of times that he was trying to kill me, it's still very much in the favor of probably not going to try to kill me. I think this entire episode is fascinating because almost every beat is a combination of something original and potentially interesting with a cliché. Right. Every moment of it has the two of them fused together. For example, yeah, yeah. Uh, when they go to sleep... We get this great Foley moment. They take their time on it of the door opening, the footsteps. You hear the breathing of him leaving the room. You hear Nan, his wife, just mumbling in her sleep slightly. There's no narration to describe what's going on. And with those few words or sounds, you can see this whole picture. But then, of course, she wakes up and screams and over-explains, <laughs> he's standing above you with a knife. And it goes back to sort of the old-time radio horror tropes and no longer mm. has the faith in the listener. It over-describes. And right. that moment right there, I think, is encapsulates what is both great and not so great about this episode. Right. And the uh, police officer at the end who has the teacher's edition of what's going on. Like, is it oh, a police officer? I just thought it was just a townie. Oh, maybe. I may have. Yeah, I thought it was the guy at the local mom. general store or yeah. something like that. I didn't quite pick up, but I thought it was a townie, yeah. Mm. But what did he do? Well, he oh, just, he just knew like, everything. Yeah. Oh, never do that. <laughs> <laughs> that thing you did, don't do that. You should have stopped here first. We should put a sign in that house. Yeah. Right. It, it reminded me of the green base. Do you remember that one? <laughs> yes. Where, where finally the townsfolks were like, you know, we should have burned this house down eight murders ago. Let's get on this. <laughs> right. But here's a pamphlet. Have a good day. <laughs> this... And it also reminded me of the overexplained ending that undercut mm. Porchlight a little. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, the other thing I totally did not expect is to find Denton mm -hmm. hanging. Yeah. Dead. I yeah. thought that was like a, Because again, it's a real death. It's not a supernatural. I mean, it's connected to supernatural events as we find out. Right. Uh, but still up to that point, he could have just 
had a suicidal psychotic break and there could be nothing supernatural or well creepy <laughs> so going it's, on. It's just again the horror of having a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> you have driven me to this point. Do your dishes. <laughs> I will stab you in the night. <laughs> yeah, the end of this is waiting for the twist, you know, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then the end comes and I hear that Price is Right loser music. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's it. There's nothing more to it. So I was a little disappointed. At, I just wanted it to be, here's a typical haunted house story with this interesting angle of some sort and there was none it was what it was i will say this for what it is i think it was pretty well done <laughs> it's just been done a lot but there was nothing like oh this is terribly written or performed or i will though adamantly say that that was way too much wind way <laughs> way 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 too much wind when i can't hear the actors i get it but then let's not have them say lines that I can't hear. I mean, it was I'm like, oh man, that's, that's a lot a of work. That's a car wash. That's not a wind. <laughs> <laughs> There's a car wash on the horizon. <laughs> uh, so much wind. I had this weird moment where I thought I discovered these amazing hidden layers in this episode. Oh, because, boy. So I'm, I'm listening to it, and sometimes because of the sound quality or the wind in this case, I wasn't sure if I was hearing the husband's name right. I thought it was Denton, so I went, uh, I'm going to make sure. That, that's a name, right? And I went, Denton, Denton just because I wasn't sure if I was hearing it right. Yeah. And then when it came up on the web, uh, the meaning of it was village in a valley. And I was doing this as I was listening, and it's right when they were sitting on the edge, <laughs> edge of, of the, the valley, valley yeah. and looking down and talking about the town and the valley. And I went, holy crap, <laughs> I've just unlocked this secret code in the episode of the Hermit's Cave. And then I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's just a total accident. Then I looked up the meaning of Nan, and it was Old English for awkward exposition. And wow! <laughs> and Charles was French for disappointing denouement. I <laughs> no. uh, but in that Free moment... Loading, brother. In that moment, I was like, wow, Hermit's Cave. <laughs> da Vinci Code going on. Man. Well, any other thoughts, gentlemen? No, no. Just that, like the hermit needs sixteen bark collars on his dogs. That's a, every time, yeah, right? Like, when I hear him go, "Shut up!" <laughs> I'm trying to do a radio show. <laughs> Let's send it Nancy, could you get the dogs for a minute? But <laughs> well, you're doing a radio show too. <laughs> And then my time. <laughs> Let's send it to a folk, but you have to do it in one of those voices. No. No. <laughs> no After last week, this is becoming the funny voice podcast. We got to stop doing this. Uh, I'll do it as Satan. No. <laughs> Not no. Satan the cat. Satan yeah. the cat, yes. Because <coughs> people might have gotten confused. That's what he thinks yeah, Satan Tim was raised like? in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked this, and I do think it stands the test of time. I would not say classic, because it does have stereotypes, flaws, plot holes. But, I mean, especially going into it, planning on, like, it's the Hermit's Cave, I'll cut it some slack. Mm -hmm. uh, it did not need any slack cut. I really enjoyed it as it is. Yeah, I definitely do 
actually think this stands the test of time. Hermit's Cave is one of my favorite not very good radio shows. <laughs> where I totally acknowledge. So to me, this is a classic within the boundaries of Hermit's Cave. It sure. would not stand up as a classic uh, against any any other old time radio classics we've described here. But I think it has a, a lot to offer and I again find it interesting how it grapples with wanting to be something a little more interesting than the typical Hermitscape Fair. I will say it stands the test of time and it was fun. And that's about the extent of uh, I'll give it. I wasn't mad at it for any reason. <laughs> I didn't say, oh my God. Oh you terrible. hermit <laughs> But, you know, it was fine. It was fine. Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the website that hosts this podcast. There you'll find information about our live shows, as well as uh, links to our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, You can also reach a contact page and just leave comments on individual episodes and have interactions with other listeners. It's fun. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Uh, we have all sorts of different levels of support. You can choose. We're not going to make you give us money because we can't. If we could, we might. <laughs> uh, and you can also write a review on iTunes because uh, we also appreciate that. Thank you very much for listening. Coming up next, our 132nd episode will be another listener request uh this one coming from the series favorites my favorite stories or is it just favorite stories favorite story yeah favorite stories story stories we'll figure that out by next week singular yes from favorite story uh their version of frankenstein until then look out